Hello and welcome to the Rabbit Hole, the Definitive Developers Podcast in fantabulous Chelsea, Manhattan. I'm your host, Michael Nunez. Our co-host today, Dave Anderson, and our producer, William Jeffries. And today, we're talking about the shackles of frameworks. Always holding me back. Never letting me go. What's going on here? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Jacob will be able to tell us what's going on here. We have a guest, returning guest, Jacob O'Donnell, back at it again. What's Triumphant going on, Jacob? return. Hey, guys. How's it going? Oh, man, it's going well. I haven't seen you guys for a while. It's good yeah. to have you back. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Are you still in your mid-30s and living in Brooklyn? You know, that's interesting. <laughs> I am still both of those things. <laughs> I wish that time went backwards sometimes in like a yo-yo time. <laughs> you know, I could sort of bounce between 35 and 22. And oh, just keep going that's back a forward. big yo-yo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I think that's the perfect sort of thing to yo-yo between. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, you came up with the topic of the shackles of frameworks and want to know your take on frameworks right now. Mm-hmm. I'm being all. shackled by them. Why? Why do you feel like you're being shackled? They're not making you deliver amazing products to your users? You feel held back by these frameworks? What's going on, Jacob? Well, I think by definition, they are kind of shackling you, right? So the big difference between a library and a framework is... is the library you call into where the framework calls you. And that's fine. <laughs> Sounds that's like fine. a bad relationship. Oh, I'm thinking about that. Would that be bad? You know, maybe you're just on Depends. call all the time. Yeah, maybe you're looking for that. That's <laughs> right. Nice. That's yeah. No judgment. Yeah, let's not judge here. But my problem with frameworks and what I'm seeing these days is that everyone sort of programs into them. All your code sort of fits into the slots of whatever your specific like framework sort of pushes you into. So for example, in Rails, everybody knows don't put, you know, you want to keep your controllers thin, make your your models fat. And so like tons and tons of code, like where most of it, in places where that is shared knowledge, for the most part, what happens is people are jamming more and more code into the models. And so mm-hmm. the models are getting big and every single one has some sort of God class, like the user class, which is, 700, 800, 1,000 lines of code. and <laughs> yeah. No, but I'm using Mixins. It's fine. It's, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where you, what I would like to see more of is having some code that lives outside the framework, right? So in Rails' case, it wouldn't be your models. It wouldn't be your controllers. I mean, maybe it's like lib or something, but just sort of having your business logic live in a plain old Ruby object. Like it's not inheriting from any sort of Rails thing. It's just your business logic all by itself. Maybe it doesn't know about the database. Maybe your whole application could even like, if you wanted to switch from like a web framework to a command line interface, like all the logic would still sort of live, would be portable because it's not all mixed into these concerns. Hmm. But if I got like an ORM or something like that, that's going to like leak into pretty much anything. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, I have a couple times consciously tried to keep like ORMs sort of out of the business logic. And sometimes you feel like you're kind of bending yourself in half to abstract that away. But, you know, you can you can definitely limit it, right? Versus like if you have... If you sort of let the whole thing leak in there, then you are tied to active record versus maybe the only sort of like interface that you allow is like, okay, I will call save and I will call load or something. You know, you're really limiting mm-hmm. your 
the usage of your framework. Yeah, I guess like constraints can breed creativity in some ways. I thought you were going to just advocate for eliminating the framework altogether. Oh, no, they're too dang useful. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you like the shackles. (laughs) It is true. Like, there are a lot of reasons to use a framework. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't imagine, like, I couldn't imagine in good faith, like, going to, like, a job or client being and saying, like, oh, let's just start from scratch. Don't worry, I'll code, I'll code everything. I'll, I'll rewrite, you know, a web server. And, Bare metal. And so, yeah, I mean, I definitely think frameworks are fine. They're a great productivity booster. But the problem comes in that I just feel like there's no, there's no domain layer. There's no business logic that lives outside of the thing. So your whole, like, identity becomes wrapped up in... I mean, you're breaking one of the fundamental rules of single responsibility. Whenever you have, like, all your business logic in the models. Or to give another example, like I think now with React and Redux, which is a very common pattern, most people are shoving all their code into the actions. A lot of the business logic is going there, sometimes some in the in the React component itself. But yeah. besides the the ever-present utils folder, there's usually not a place to put business logic, just like plain old JavaScript or Ruby objects that encapsulate your business logic. Yeah, I think that when you're working in a framework, there's a tendency to try and put everything into the framework to fit everything into the existing paradigm. Yep. You got a square hole. Yeah, make and it you happen. You got to fit that round peg in there. Just <laughs> jam it in there. Just push harder. Yeah, make it happen. Yeah. That's totally true. And I, I mean, there actually are good reasons for that. Like it's when everyone around you sort of expects the code to be there, then you know to open up the code there and say, oh, let me check the user model. Right. Yeah. Or everything's like, in the user model. Everything's in the user model. <laughs> it's like gravity. But like, I mean, there's definitely something to having a shared language where like a Rails, every Rails developer knows what a controller is. Every Rails developer knows how to use active record. So like there, if you're adhering to that framework in, in that way, then there's not as many surprises, maybe. Well, I mean, I think there's like a really clear criticism that you've outlined pretty well here, which is that... Rails, at least, and also Django, and I think generally the old school MVC frameworks really push tight coupling with your database. Yeah. And and that wasn't always the case, right? Like, it used to be that your database was another thing that you interacted with and that you would mock out. And I think this is one of the smells in, in testing that you see a lot in MVC frameworks where... You, nobody bothers mocking out the database because it's part of the model. It's like you can't really unit test a model without including the database connection. And so all of your business logic all of a sudden now has this dependency on the database. I think there's a really strong case to be made about eliminating that. But there are probably other ways, too, in which you feel shackled by your MVC framework, no? Good question. I mean, I'm certainly, you know, shackled. (laughs) Really, honestly, I mean, a lot of of the shackles come from sort of the social structure and team structure that you find yourself in. Like, if you strike out, if I I just did all my crazy ideas and I said, okay, you know, I, I think that there's some business logic, like there's a storefront object that could sort of be extracted from all this and just get all, all this logic by itself outside of the whole MVC pattern. My teammates might be like, what are you doing? And I would need to fight for that. And maybe I would win. Yeah, I know you're talking about like, because everything is done like this. It's not like no one does it like that. It's because people are getting like comfortable with these ideas that are provided to them. 
it's like okay like this is how this is done but like you're not looking at the bigger picture of architecture and scalability of the application like how it's a harder question to answer if you have to solve the problem that you're proposing like it's kind of cozy just to be like i'm just gonna put it in the helpers file yeah like good old helpers <laughs> oh, yeah. file, good old helpers mm-hmm. file. Mm-hmm. there to save the day yeah i think it makes people lazier architects because the they're working in an mvc framework because you you think less about architecture since so much of it is prescribed to you and then that can get you into serious trouble because if you aren't thinking from time to time about what the domain concepts are that you want represented in your app and how they're going to interact, and especially when you're adding major new features that involve a lot of new domain, you're going to end up in trouble if you're not having those conversations, if you're not hitting the whiteboard and talking about architecture. And when it's as simple as scaffolding yet another model, it's easy to skip that discussion. That's a really good point too, because on the flip side, that's a benefit to not have to think about and make decisions. Like every time, every time you sort of have this sort of easy thing, like I'll just put it in models, that is one less thing to think about in programming. And you definitely need to be able to reduce the set of things you need to program in. But, you know, I, I do think that in this case, I would argue it's something to think about. So I sort of contradict myself there. It's normal. That's just how we do it on that's the rabbit hole. <laughs> As a software engineer, it's complicated. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. And it depends. It does it depend. Depends. It depends. <laughs> End of argument. Yeah. I think when I hear like the term, the shackles of frameworks, I find that frameworks change behavior or like syntax or the direction that that particular framework is going a lot faster than like the way programming languages would normally write it. So like, for example, we saw it recently with React where we were no longer inheriting from object, but like using the extend syntax and then you have to change it. Then it's like, oh, we're moving this way now. And like, you feel like you're being pulled towards a direction that you maybe may not agree with, with the community, but you still have to forcefully do it because your application is written in this programming language or rather in this framework that you now have to muddle through. And that I find can be a little bit, not complicated, but like, you know, troublesome to deal with. Mm-hmm. Just like being it being tugged in the direction that the framework wants to go. And you're like, well, yeah, we're doing that now. That's oh, yeah. If you don't like it. Yeah. Whoops, too bad. You can't release yourself from the shackles unless you're allowed to rewrite the entire application. You just, I mean, you just got to go to view. That's, yeah. that's, <laughs> that's the only option. Yeah. So like, you know, the pattern of using React and Redux and how you do things are very prescribed, as William mentioned. But like if the community wants to do things a little differently and, you know, now React hooks are a thing and you need to update your React library to ensure you can use these things, but your application is not ready to be updated, then you're kind of screwed and you can't use it. So if I w- want to learn how to write a program, I will like look at the language docs or like in Django docs or Rails docs, and that's going to be where I will see the prescriptions of the framework. But if I want to break out of that, like where should I look to see like inspiration for what patterns are successful? Mm-hmm. So Uncle Bob has a, a talk that, that has inspired this that I will have to find the link to so we can link it, where one of the approaches that he sort of advocates, which actually I think is a little bit over the top, but it definitely gives you the idea, is if you were to try and like write your business logic first and uh-huh. sort of wrap the framework around it. 
So for instance, like, and maybe even go as far as try and have like an alternative view. Like if you have a web app, like you would also have a client, like a uh, bash client, I'm forgetting the word, a shell client. Oh yeah, sure. So like to go to that extreme to make sure that your application is actually decoupled from the web framework. So like the API layer is just a means to get to the actual core of the application. Exactly, right. Like you're completely separating all your business logic from from the MVC and you're you're considering yourself you're considering your framework as more of a library than the defining feature of how your code is structured. Mm, okay. So you really definitely need to have like a really strong sense of like architecture and the domain and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it's easy to leave these decisions to rails, right? It's all it's very simple. You've got your models, your views, your controllers and things slot in where they slot pretty easily everyone sort of knows where to go then there's that lib folder which is kind of like everyone scratches (laughs) their head a little bit and why not just put it there yeah and maybe that's exactly what i'm talking about but i often don't see that heavily used it's just the helpers and the utils all the helpers (laughs) they definitely help oh man i always need help when i'm programming (laughs) you know who needs a lot of help is steven nunez (laughs) (laughs) can't do anything like that guy called out oh Oh, no i'm kind of envisioning like a domain like having all of your domain logic inside of a package that just gets imported is that kind of what you're going for there sounds awesome that'd be an interesting constraint because it would force you to not use any of your mvc frameworks tools when you're doing your your domain logic Right. Yeah. Like certainly, you know, some of the the display logic would still be available to you when you're like in your view and you want to monetize or whatever, but that would be, you know, available as like sort of the shell. But yes, as you said, the domain logic itself would be completely divorced from whatever framework you chose. And if you wanted to switch your framework, it would be a monumental task instead of a impossible task. (laughs) (laughs) What fun. Uh Uh, What do you think about like minimal frameworks instead of going with something like Django go with Flask or instead of Rails go with Sinatra you do need a stronger team to pull it off because as William brought up you need to start making all these decisions like how do we want to structure our app if not model view controller and if every team member is kind of doing their own thing then even if everyone is strong then you're going to have this mishmash of styles and it's you'll never know where to find things and you're going to get yourself into a mess that way. So you definitely, you know, I, I suppose in a sense, I'm, what I'm talking about requires a stronger team because you really, you can make bad decisions. It's And programming bad decisions are easy to do. I like a code that I wrote six months later and it's like, what was I doing? But you know, it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm writing the best at the time. <laughs> That's right. It's a programmer's <laughs> oath. How was the code you wrote today? Oh, it was great. Yeah. It's the best code I ever wrote. Uh-huh. <laughs> Six months later, <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> I mean, I guess it's better than the alternative of looking back and be like, wow, I was so much better back then. <laughs> really? Yeah. It was slow. really gone downhill. <laughs> yeah. So are we just not going to use frameworks? Is that what you're saying, Jacob? Let's free them ourselves. To the ground. Write our own? <laughs> Unshackled. But then you write your own and aren't you back in the same spot? Now you're just tied to your framework. I mean, it's your shackles though. It's fine. Yeah, yeah it's my right. redux. Yeah. <laughs> There's no need to reinvent the shackles. No, we've got enough shackles. <laughs> we've got enough shackles. Yeah, I mean, really what I'm advocating is look around your code base. And if the only sort of files you have that are outside the normal paradigm for that framework are your utils or your helpers 
then think about creating like a single file or object that has some sort of domain responsibility. Try it out. <laughs> Start <laughs> and, there. You know, let us know how it goes. Yeah. I was probably Jim. good like pacemaker software is going to blow up. So <laughs> going to blame me. Oh, we no. were using all the helpers and now <laughs> we did it. This happened. <laughs> oh no. That rails driven pacemaker software. <laughs> yeah. I hope all pacemaker software is written in rails. Uh, <laughs> and if, it's horrifying. And if, if you do work in one of those shops, please tweet at Radio Free Rabbit. I would love to see a shop that has that. Jacob, it was awesome having you here. It was awesome being here. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on down. Thank yeah. you. Follow us now on Twitter at Radio Free Rabbit so we can keep the conversation going. Like what you hear? Give us a five-star review and help developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole. And never miss an episode. Subscribe now however you listen to your favorite podcast. On behalf of our producer extraordinaire, William Jeffries, and my amazing co-host, Dave Anderson, and me, your host, Michael Nunez, thanks for listening to The Rabbit Hole. 